0: starting in verse 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 7. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what hath the wise more than a fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Better it is the sight of the eyes and the wondering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. Father, we pray that you be with us again tonight. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, help us to know and understand exactly what your word has for each of us this evening. Bless and guide and direct, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've heard of the phrase, chasing a carrot on a stick. You've probably heard of that phrase, of course. That's what you hear. see here. It's been around a long time. It's about that unfortunate donkey who's motivated to keep pulling because you see the carrot in front of him even though he can't get the carrot. At first, the people primarily are chasing after something they really want to catch, but it's always a little bit further out than they can actually grasp. A few years ago, I believe it was 2020, Harvard Business School undertook the first of its kind studying of over 4,000 millionaires in the United States and they made a unique observation. They asked a team to question these millionaires, those who had from one million to a hundred million. And they asked them a question how happy were they on a scale to one to ten? One millionaire to a hundred millionaire. And believe it or not, very few of them said they were happy, even though some of them had at least a million dollars and some of them had a hundred million dollars. So the lie out there, that if you just had a little more money to make you happy, is a lie from the devil. It's a lie from hell, and it's just not true. Interesting enough, they dig a little more. One researcher by the name of Michael Norton said they discovered, surprisingly, the underlying issue in their research. The question was, Wasn't, did I have enough, but do I have more than those around me? He said, if a person had a $50 million house, but he moved into a community that had $100 million houses, he felt bad because his was only 50 and theirs were were more. If someone had $50 million but moved into a neighborhood where everybody obviously had much more than that, they were suddenly no longer happy. It wasn't that these millionaires didn't have a lot. They just wanted more. And deeper than that, they wanted more than other people. What is that? Base jealousy. They wanted to be the biggest, the baddest in the neighborhood. They wanted to have the nicest cars, the nicest house, the nicest pool, the nicest yard, the best kids. They wanted to be revered. It really wasn't so much about the money. They just wanted to be better than everybody else. And I'm sure Mary sees that in the nursery. The kid has a toy. Some other kid don't have the toy. Before long, the one kid that don't have the toy wants the toy that the, from the kid that does have the toy. You see it, I'm sure, in high school. Kid pulls in, maybe the first day, with a new car. Maybe, maybe, it's, just a, maybe it's just an old Ford. <laughs> Eric's not here. It's <laughs> an old Ford, but somebody pulls in with a, with a Jaguar. Well, that's gonna turn some heads freshly for a high school student. I mean, I'm sure somebody would be happy. Hey, I was just happy to have four wheels to get me to A to B when I was in high school. I was just happy to have a vehicle. It always happens. One kid has a phone, you know, that's been passed down from family to family, and they got it, you know, third generation, and somebody else comes in with a brand new iPhone. You see the jealousy. What are we chasing? What are we chasing? Well, of course, advertisers, they go after the kids. They go out. They go after kids, targeting them between the ages of two and twelve, you know. They go after them with clothes, they go after them with cereal, they go after them with cookies, the little Keebler elves they have to keep making their commercials, you know, because they just gotta keep up going, you know. The lucky charms, the little guy gets to come out and make his commercial every once because he's he's gotta, you know, he's gotta chum up the 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 product you know they're, they're they're advertising why because they want they want the 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 kid to go into the store with the parent especially you know the Walmart the Publix and they go down the cereal aisle mom I want it and it has nothing to do with the taste of the cereal all that they mattered was they saw the cartoon on the TV during Saturday morning they want the lucky charms they want the whatever because it appeals to them and isn't that how it always is and not just with kids But with our own selves. Jesus calls it the deceitfulness of riches. Of course, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It started everything started with that. The allure to have something that you can't have or someone else doesn't have started with the serpent. And and of course, Eve in the garden, with a serpent who I'm sure did not look like what we would think of as a serpent today. Of course a serpent today might have many colors but he's pretty once you observe a serpent he's not something that uh the creature something we would want to desire but before the curse i believe my opinion and he could he could walk he could talk i believe he had hands because he was cursed to slivers so i believe he was one of the most beautiful creatures in the garden of eden and i believe when he held that little apple out to eve I mean, he—he. He, I mean, it was enticing, and she had to have it. She had to have it. So it's been going on for thousands of years. We're here in Solomon, Solomon speaking, nearly 3,000 years ago, about the warnings of life, about chasing things that seem very important, chasing things that seem to matter when actual, in reality, they don't matter as much as we think they do. They do. So what's this first warning that we see here, see in verse 7? The first warning, uh, there it is. But Eve, the fruit of the tree has more vitamins and minerals than other fruit. I don't don't quite think he said that. (laughs) I don't think that's in the KJV, maybe in the deep Hebrew somewhere. But I don't think that's there. Three warnings from the wisest man. The first one is, what is the first one? Warning number, your life can be full while at the same time your heart can remain empty. Your life can be full. You can have lots of stuff. You can have lots of things. You can be juggling a lot of stuff. You can be busy as can, busy can be. You can have, you can have a f- full life of friends and family and likes and social media. You're on all of it. But empty, empty, empty. I knew a man who was a millionaire. He was really a millionaire. And he can he name drop with the best of them. He said, I know this person and this person. He had pictures of them on his phone. I ate dinner with this person. I spent the night at that place. And he lost it all. He lost it all. And he wound up living in a shack. A shack. And he told me, you know what? That was the best thing for me. I had all these things, I had all this stuff, had friends. So-called friends. I had family, so-called family. I had, I had things. He, he, he had. I went to his house one time before he so finally had to get rid of his house was was going under foreclosure. He had rooms stacked up high as your head, full of stuff. He had one living room full, this tall, just clothes. And he was saying, Marty, you want some? I said, No, 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 no. No, no, I don't want to be what you're doing right now in my place. I had stuff everywhere that he got from the stuff mart. And all this stuff, he told me at the end of all this, I just wasn't happy with any of it. He had it. It's not what you, it's not what you have. It's what you need. He didn't have what he needed. The Bible says in verse 7, All the labor of man is is for his mouth, and yet his appetite is not filled. The word mouth here, interesting to be understood in terms of the material world. Our physical needs, including the necessities of life like food and shelter and clothing. The word toil is a word in reference to the work you do for a living. You work hard, you get paid, you, you cash your paycheck to pay the bills and buy the groceries. This word here for heart or longing or appetite is the nephesh, which in Hebrew is word for soul, the inner being of a man, his will and his emotions. In the New Testament, it's a word for the heart. We talk about the heart a lot. So we see this person who who labors. He he wants to he wants to. He wants to do a lot. He fills his mouth. He fills his soul. He fills his heart with things, with stuff. Yet, with all these things and all this stuff, he comes to the end of it, and he's still empty. Know anybody like that? Do you find yourself like that sometimes? It's warning number two. improving Improving your station in life doesn't mean you're going to be succeeding in life. Just because you get a better education. just because you, 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 you get a raise, just because you get a promotion. Just because uh, things are better for you, you get a better car. doesn't mean necessarily mean everything is going to go be- better for you. Solomon says in verse eight, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, for what hath the wise man more than the fool? what hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Basically, Solomon is saying none of them had a bit advantage. In other words, if someone lives to satisfy their mouth, their physical appetite, even the wise man has no advantage over the foolish man, and the poor man has no advantage by figuring out how to mix in with the crowd. Solomon asks and answers the question with hard-hitting reality. Does anyone have advantage over, over anybody else in the race for the carrot? The person who has a 4.0 and graduates with honors and has everything, or the poor person who has really very little and works hard, doesn't have maybe much of an education, but works hard, trying to improve his life. At the end of the day, is one really better than the other? Oh, maybe some has more advantages, maybe one has better things, but in the end of life, both die, right? The more with a better education, the more with a better job, the more with a better stuff, he still dies. The person who has less education, less less things, less friends, less social life, he still dies. He still dies. Is one really better than the other? Is the CEO better than the day laborer? Oh, maybe in this life. Better things, better stuff, favorite advantages. But in the end, is it really better? Is being wise equal to contentment? Better is the side of the eyes, verse 9, than the wandering of the desire, so this is vanity and vexation of spirit. Is a poor man with very few things more content? Because he has very few things to have to look after. Remember, we looked at another part of. of of the ecclesiastes with the person had so many things in his life he was fearful that that someone would take his stuff he had to hire We talked about having to hire more people because the person had more stuff because it was more difficult for him warning three there will always be some something above and beyond what you already have there's always be something more than what you already have even the person who seems like he has it all They'll always want more. It's that proverbial you'll carrot. They'll, they'll look out in the distance and they'll see, they'll see something that somebody has. They'll want something more. They'll covet with they'll covet with their eyes. That's why one in the commandments in the Bible is thou shalt not covet. It talks about thy neighbor's wife, they, their neighbors in those days, thy neighbor's animals, because those were things to covet. Oh, if I only had that person's animal, only had that person's wife, only had that person's husband, if I only had that person's job, if I only had that person's vehicle. Oh, your friend, you don't live in that whole mode. If I if only living. That's, that's a miserable life. If only I were taller, if only I had more hair, if only I was thinner. If only I, I didn't have to wear glasses. If only, no, no, dear friend, don't live like that. Now nothing, nothing wrong with trying to better yourself, and nothing wrong with that. But you shouldn't live in constant desire, that you're, that, and never being content in your station of life, being unsatisfied. Some people call it the seven-year itch. Some people have the seven-minute itch. <laughs> never content with anything. Some people call it midlife crisis. You ever seen people go through midlife crisis? I've seen people go through midlife crisis. I've seen people who are older dress in ways in which they should not dress. Thinking they were teenagers all over again and God helped their soul, they should not be wearing those clothes. They had midlife crisis. They wanted to impress some poor soul. They started wearing the makeup again, but they never wear the makeup for her husband for a long time. They start wearing the clothes, brother Eric. Start started acting like they're 18 when they're 58. <laughs> and It is just a it's a horror show. It's a horror, and nobody nobody's no nobody cares about them enough to go up to them afterwards and say, you know, you really ought not to wear this. <laughs> really should not be doing this you, you try to tell them and they just don't listen to you because you think they're against you but you're actually you know your best friend is somebody who actually come up there and tell you the truth that's your best friend the person that, thinks, that comes up to a person like that and says oh you look real good it's a lie <laughs> you don't look good <laughs> and you can't go back 30 years and go back to be the way you used to be it's just not gonna happen. Stop! Don't do it. Listen, we, <laughs> if you got the inclination to do that, can I just tell you publicly? Don't do it. <laughs> just don't go. Just don't go. How horrible it is. They think grass is greener on the other side. How horrible it is. Solomon, Solomon, poor Solomon. He had the seven year. He didn't have the seven year itch. He had the seven minute edge. He couldn't. He couldn't have the. Wasn't the right wasn't anything good enough, nothing grand enough, not, not any woman <laughs> enough for him. He had to have more and more and more. He couldn't have, he always had to have more. Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering desire. This is all vanity and vexation of spirit. He said, what you have, the sight of the eyes, what you see is better than the wandering of the spirit. Be thankful for what you do have don't be chasing after what you don't have live your life in contentment with what give, God has given you today don't always be seeking after something extra more and then putting yourself in the position as a pastor I see this often time a person will be faithful in church faithful, faithful living for God but then because of his appetites and keeping up with the Joneses he thinks he has to work more work now he has everything he needs Because the Bible says, "You have food and shelter; let us therefore be content." Right? But he says, "I gotta have more, more stuff, better things, greater things." It's not that he doesn't have enough; he has enough, but he wants more. He wants more. So what's he do? Quits missing. He misses Wednesday night. Then he misses Sunday night. Then he misses Sunday morning. And before long, brother, where you at? I gotta work. Well, I understand work, but are you working for the Escalade when you had a Ford? (laughs) Or vice versa. You had a four, but you... <laughs> and whatever it is, brother, brother whatever it is. <laughs> you got to have more. You have plenty. But because you have to have more, you put yourself out of the very will of God. You say, preacher, you know people like that? I know people like that right now who are in that same boat, who are thinking sometimes to themselves they have to live up, have to live up to some expectation that sometimes the wife has for the husband or the husband has for the wife or the son has for the the, trying to meet the expectations of the mother or the son has to have for the mother-in-law oh you're not providing enough for my daughter you need to be working 80 hours a week i've seen it and the whole time talking bad about him but at the funeral she'll say sweet things about you because she got your money now Say preachers, that happen. It happens all the time, and they say they're Christians. What type of Christianity is that? They're chasing after things. They're chasing. They're striving after the wind. They're going after stuff that doesn't matter. Can I say to you tonight? It's the human heart. Is your heart and mind apart from being satisfied with Christ? It's being earth bound instead of heaven bound. Listen to me. If Christ isn't enough, listen. If you don't get anything I say tonight. If Christ isn't enough, if the will of God isn't interesting enough for you, if walking core the word of God isn't good enough for you, if enjoying the presence and pleasure of God isn't satisfying enough for you, then nothing, nothing ever will. Did you hear what I said to you? If God himself is not enough, nothing else will do not more relationships not more money not more things not more friends not more to do not a bigger list not a better social life if God himself is not enough for you his will's not enough for you his words not enough for you his presence not enough for you then dear friend you're not you'll never be content you'll never be content you'll always be wanting something more something greater something better Something else somebody else has. That's where we have to be content. Are we content in God? Are we content in Christ? Are we grateful for the spiritual blessings? The spiritual blessings that he gives us ought to outweigh so much more the physical things that we strive after. For all physical things that we see here, except for the word of God and people, will be gone forever so what should we strive after we ought to strive after closer communion with god more meaningful relationship with people i was reading this book about counseling since i do a lot of counseling i was reading one of my my daughter was she recommended a book on counseling and i was reading it today because she's taking some counseling classes and the the one of the 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 author of the book was talking about the importance as a church, as a body of believers, not just to come and sit to enjoy a sermon or hear songs, but as a body of believers to come and as we come, ask ourselves, what can we do as a body of believers to help other people in the church? Some people have a misconception that that's only the pastor's job. Is that my responsibility? Well, sure it is. But see, that's not just my responsibility. That's our responsibility. You ought to come to church, yes, to worship God, yes, to hear his word, yes, to be challenged. But also, you ought to come and anticipating asking God to help you be a blessing and a help and encouragement to others. See, if you are in that mode of what I can do for you, then you won't be caught up in, I I got nothing to do here. Dear friend, as a church member, you have a ministry. You have a ministry to the people in front of you, behind you, people all around you. How are you ministering to them? We as a body ought to be ministering one to another. You say, preacher, aren't you the one that take them out and fellowship with them and do stuff with them? Yeah, I do that. But what about we do that? What if somebody came in and some of you do that already? And I thank God for it. When you see somebody new come in, won't you say, "Hey, you got anything to do for lunch today?" Won't you go? Why not? You see somebody, you talk to them. You, you say, "Hey, get to, get to know them, shake your hands." And we do, we do a lot of that. Praise God for what we do. But you know what? We could do better. We could do better. Do better. It's a good thing. It's an encouraging thing. We're chasing after things that cannot satisfy. I read this study about the Olympic medalists and their attitude attitude while standing on the stand after receiving their medals. They discovered that bronze medalists were typically much happier than silver medalists. Silver medalists were focused on how close they came to winning the gold, And that, so, so they are not satisfied with the silver. But bronze medalists were focused on how close they came to not winning anything at all. They were just happy to be on the stand. They were just happy to be there. So what's the warnings in life? Number, warning number one, let me remind you, your life can be full while at the same time your heart can remain empty. Don't be deluded. Number two, warning number two, improving your station in life doesn't mean you're succeeding in life. Don't be deceived. And warning number three, there will always be something above and beyond what you already have. It started in preschool. It will be that to the end of your life. Do not covet what other people have. Be satisfied and thankful for what God has done in your life. Life is not about chasing the carrot. Life is about Jesus Christ. Life is about Jesus Christ. Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence a fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Find your joy, your contentment in Christ alone. Because everything else can change. Your family life can change in a moment. Your appearance can change in a moment. You're having things or not having things can change in a moment. The only one thing that can never change is the one thing you must hold on the most dearly, and that is your relationship with Christ. Everything in life can change. Your family, your friends, your health, your circumstances. But that cannot change. And if that is the one constant, dear friend, focus on that. On that one thing. Make it the most important thing in your life, the priority in your life. Christ, Christ, Christ. Am I pleasing Christ? Am I living for Christ? Is Christ in and all? Is he everything to me? Not things, not coveting, but Christ. Don't chase the carrot. Seek a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you God for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for this reminder from a man who had it all. A man who chased the carrot. <laughs> he chased it to the very end and it ruined his life. Oh God, may not it not ruin our lives. May seeking after things and stuff and better relationships only for our notoriety or God, help us to be pure. Help us, Lord, to focus on that one relationship, a relationship with your dear son, Jesus Christ. May he be everything to us. May we be consumed with him when we not chase the carrot. If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Savior, dear friend, that's where it all starts. Has there been a time in your life where you recognize that you're a sinner and you ask Jesus Christ to save you? If you're here tonight and you don't know Christ, you're not sure you know Christ, <clears throat> would you come to him? It's my greatest pleasure to show you the word of God so you can be saved, or my wife if you're a girl. But if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you say, Preacher, I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling. Maybe you see it in your family members. Maybe you see it in your friends. Maybe you see it in your coworkers. Because that's the natural thing for the unsaved to go after things because that's, this is the best they'll ever have in this life. Stuff, things, more houses, more lands, more cars, better stuff, because that's all they have. Not for us, dear friends. Not for us. May we be consumed with Christ. May we be when we care about a relationship with Him more than anything else. You hey, preacher, I'm struggling in this area. Would you pray for me that Christ would be central first in my life? Would you pray for me? Anybody like that? Be honest tonight. I'm struggling in this area of my life where I struggle. It's easy to. It's easy to. Just pray for me tonight, preacher.